0: My best has My best walks with a tail in the
1: air. My best makes me feel full as
0: moon. Welcome to Humane Talk. I'm Tracy Hotchner, welcoming discussions with thought leaders in animal welfare to discuss ethical principles and practical considerations in the way people perceive and treat non-human species. Thank you for joining our conversations about what it means to have a humane perspective in our own lives and be a positive influence in our communities. If you would like to hear more episodes of this show or any of the pet talk shows I co-host with experts, please go to RadioPetLady.com and visit the podcast libraries. Humane Talk is a production of Pet Media Inc. and opinions of those of the guests who are solely responsible for them. I also produce the philanthropic New York Cat Film Festival, sponsored by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, and the New York Dog Film Festival, sponsored by the Petco Foundation, which are traveling the country, celebrating the love between people and their pets, while benefiting local animal shelters that bring them together. There's also an on-demand collection of dog-themed films you can download onto any device. More information is at dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com. The Radio Pet Lady Network is brought to you in part with the generous support of Precious Cat, litter owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who has created a variety of low-dust litters for the health of all members of the family, so everyone can breathe easier. Dr. Elsie has now broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry food for kitties called Clean Protein. Clean Protein was inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. And 90% of the protein in the clean protein kibble is animal-based, not the plant-based ingredients in traditional dry cat food, like grains, potato, vegetables, and fruits, that are high in oxalate and lead to rapid metabolization, which actually increases your cat's hunger. The primary ingredients in Dr. Elsie's clean protein are the highest biological value proteins available. And the result is that your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. If you want to feed dried food to your cat, even as part of her diet, make the healthier choice. The proof is in the protein. I am here with you, Laura Nakagawa, who is an organizer of Elephants in Japan, a group I didn't know about. Many of you probably haven't heard about. But uh, who doesn't love elephants? We all have come to love them and care about them and feel I think just a kind of a deep remorse over what we've been doing to them for their ivory for so long and the butchery and the poaching. But it turns out that there are now 12 out of 14 private and public zoos in Japan where these individual elephants have been kept in solitary despair for most of their adult lives. And Yulara is working to change that. And Yulara, I just take my hat off to you. This must be so sad for you every day I've I've looked at the the YouTube footage of these individuals in their solitary cells and I will definitely have a link to it with the podcast of this show. It's so sad. And you're in Canada, correct? You're not you're not Japan based yourself. I
1: was born and raised in Canada, but my parents are Japanese and they're from Japan, and I'm currently residing in California.
0: So when did you learn or what was it in your own life that that spurred you to do something or try to do something to the best of your ability with our help maybe to light yeah. on the misery that these individuals are it's just it's heartbreaking you look at it and you just want to I mean it's like all zoos used to be horrible like that you know all zoos but the fact that Japan that perhaps in a mistaken way, I think of as enlightened, highly educated, and somehow compassionate as a nation. I don't know where I get these ideas, but there they are. I've got them. That they are so ignorant, these 14 places, two of the elephants have now died, so only 12 of them are still in misery. So ignorant of what makes elephants tick, who they are, what they need, their natural inclinations and needs. did, Did that surprise you when you learned of this?
1: Well, just to take a step back, I grew up on the west coast of Canada and Vancouver, and so so I may have had a different upbringing than than you know Japanese people as my parents had. So I remember, I, I've always been drawn to and attracted to animals since I was very small. You know, I would go to my friends' houses when I was a little child to uh, hang out with their pets more than them. Don't tell yeah. them, but you no, know, no, that, that was like, what absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do distinctly remember when I was 11 years old in my grade 6 classroom, I was flipping through a National Geographic magazine, and I came across this beautiful feature of African elephant herds, and I was mesmerized. There was something about the elephant that really captured me you know I think it's the the family bonds they they create the fact they live for 65 70 years and they are so intelligent and emotional Mm -hmm. and so you know I I became entranced and then sadly I got to images of them being shot down and poached for Mm -hmm. their ivory Uh, and I just I ran out of the classroom crying and my teacher came out after me and and she was trying to console me and and all she could say to me at that time was, you know, when you get, when you get bigger, you, Lara, you can, you can help the elephants one day, and I suppose that that stayed with me. And you know, I did various uh, animal advocacy work from there on as a teenager, and stopped eating meat, and you know, the usual yeah. progression. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the elephants always stayed with me, and so. Uh, I think it was in twenty fifteen I actually uh went to Japan because I often visit. I've got relatives there and and i I found out that there was an elephant named Hanako who had been living in a zoo enclosure in Tokyo for over sixty years, completely Gosh. alone. Uh, I saw it in a magazine i I read that she had been taken from her family in Thailand as a two year old baby brought on a ship to Japan. And, you know, there had been some sort of trauma with another zoo, which is known to have starved all their animals to death uh, during the war as a means of not, you know, getting rid of them. And so she may have seen some really, you know, traumatic things as a baby. I believe that her she had companions at the time, but perhaps they were part of that that starvation, you know. Um, And then... So uh, she, uh, you know, she was traumatized, and then she became part of a traveling zoo, and then she was confined to this concrete prison, solitary confinement, for over 60 years of her life. And, And I just thought about that, I remember, when I read this magazine article, and I did go and see her as well at her zoo, and, and she, she just looked like a statue, you know, in this stark gray enclosure with nothing else, very small, like being stuck in a bedroom your entire life, mm-hmm. uh, and and I realized that she'd been there for, for longer than my own mother had been We're alive. alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the, yeah, mm-hmm. just standing there with nothing to do, and it really affected me, so Uh, I just, I wrote a blog post about it, you know, and it was a, it was sort of a connection to my 11 year old self as well, who wanted to do something for the elephants. And I didn't think anything would come of it. But then the blog post went completely viral. And uh, a petition was started and 470,000 people around the world ended up signing this petition. No kidding. Wow. Yes, that's nearly half a million people signed this petition to help Hanako. And it turned into a global phenomenon. I woke up one morning and read on the news that, you know, it was on CNN, no the world's looming elephant. No oh, kidding. Oh, CNN, Huffington Post, every single major publication around the world started covering this. Um. She really, the story really struck a chord with people, and I think you know the proliferation of digital technology has helped spread yes. the word of how yes. sentient and intelligent and you know really amazing these animals are, and so there's an increasing awareness, which is great. Uh, so you know, just to speed ahead a bit, but because of this global outcry and this petition, I was able to go and meet with Hanako Zoo. Uh, back in March of last year, I brought a elephant uh, expert, a welfare expert from from the United States with me, and we went and we met and observed uh, Hanako and her her zoo keepers and uh, you know Carol is it was the elephant welfare expert that came with me. She produced a, a report of recommendations on how Hanako's conditions could be improved in the short, medium, and long term. And these were such small things, Tracy, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, one of the things that Carol immediately observed was that Hanako was was shivering. She was cold in March because uh, she did not have any wind blockage in her indoor enclosure because they had this big sort of garage-type door open. So the wind was gusting in and, and chilling her. So, I mean, one of the recommendations was put some plastic flaps up.
0: Protect oh, her for from heaven's the wind.
1: Sake. She's shivering. So, you know, just so simple. Now, another interesting thing is that as Carol observed her in her outdoor concrete enclosure, she said that Hanukkah was basically catatonic. She just stood there, mm-hmm. and she, yes. as I mentioned, her mm-hmm. outdoor enclosure was so barren, and she had this little, like, plastic straw. And what she would do is she would do this repetitive motion for hours on end, where she would swing the plastic straw from side to side, and then she would put her foot up on it, and she just kept doing this. And she said, "She's, you know, she said she's, she said Kanako is disengaged. She is somehow mentally trying to cope with mm-hmm. this situation where she is so unhappy, and this is what she does to comfort herself, essentially, and and escape." Um, Mm -hmm. So that was how she was in her outdoor enclosure with all the crowds around her. But then, you know, it came time for her to be put inside for the night into her little indoor enclosure. So during this process, Hanako came into her indoor enclosure and she started making these huffing sounds and, and kind of becoming very active for the first time in the entire day that we'd been observing her. And, you know, people were kind of frightened Uh, They they let people come in and observe the whole thing. And later, Carol said to me, this was her coming alive because she got, this was the one time of her day or she was happy because she got to spend time with her keepers. And in the absence of having any sort of family, she had responded, she, she had loved her keepers. That was the best time of her day where she got fed for 20 minutes by them. They would, you know kind of do the foot care and and clean her back with a broom yeah i mean she was joyful so the flapping of the ears and these huffing sounds she was making were sounds of joy oh. uh the tragedy that and she only got that for twice a day right so 40 yes. 40 minutes per day and then the, the cage would be closed the indoor closure and there she was to spend the rest
0: of the night completely alone Cold and dark, um, cold and dark. And by course. the way, these were only lousy humans. These weren't proper elephants that she needed to be hanging out with who would be rubbing their trunks on her back, right? <laughs> Absolutely, so, I mean, you know, she yeah. was making do with just crummy 2 leggeds, which were hardly, you know, up to the task, but I guess better than nothing in the barrenness of her life.
1: Well, the thing is, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that in the absence of that, you know, elephants are very social. They they yes. crave that interaction, the touch, and so uh, I remember they even told me that uh, when the person that would clean the outside bar of her outdoor enclosure, if it was somebody different, she would get upset and not go out. So, wow. so they recognize people. Yes. They have people they know and love, and they have people that they notice to stay away from. So. It's pretty incredible. But the tragedy was that we later spoke to her keepers. I believe there was four of them. And they had interpreted her behavior, the joy, as as her being angry. Oh, my.
0: They didn't know anything about elephants.
1: No, no. They had each been assigned several animals that they were in charge of in the zoo. So they would just go from animal to animal. So it's not that they, it was not their fault. They just had no education around elephant Correct. behavior and needs Correct. and
0: care. Yeah, so, so what, that was- So what? That was so what is the, the end desire for you with elephants in Japan? There were 14 such, 14 in addition to Hanako elephants, two of which died, one in 2017 and I think one in 2016 in these mis- equally miserable circumstances. What is the chance that 470,000 people around the world uh, signing a petition, or what else, dot, 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 how do we get the people Mm -hmm. who are in charge of her and her other, you know, elephants in Japan to understand they need to be put in a sanctuary? They shouldn't be there at all. Forget the the flaps on the door and whether a, a plastic straw is enough to play with. I mean, in the United States, we've been, I think pretty effective with humane groups lobbying and pressuring to get various animals that used to be in circuses or roadside zoos and sort of private horrible enclosures to be put into sanctuaries where they can be with their own kind and for the first time lie on the ground or rub against a tree is that going to ever be possible in japan
1: well yeah and that's that's the thing is that the Hanako story was a success in that the zoo publicly agreed to make some of the changes that, you know, were, we recommended during that visit, but then Hanako died two months later. So her, she was never really able to have a change in her life. And so her life, you know, because, and for me, it was, a, it was quite devastating that this had yes. all happened yes. and she passed, although I was happy that she no longer had to suffer. I agree. Uh, day by day, hour by hour, and so this new effort, Elephants in Japan, is so that Hanako's life was not lived in vain, Mm -hmm. and so we set out to expose the other solitary elephants, the other Hanakos, living across Japan, and that's, that's, that was the spark of the campaign, so it's really in honor of her life, and the life that she never had the opportunity to live, so uh, absolutely, you're, you're right, I mean, there's, there's so there's fourteen, there were fourteen that we know of. There was a couple that are not covered in our our campaign because the the we didn't have a chance to make it into their zoos because they were closed for renovations or they were a little bit too far up north mm-hmm. for our experts wrote the report to make it. Um, but the one thing is there's no elephant sanctuary in Japan. So you know that that will make it logistically tougher for Mm -hmm. us to try and get Mm -hmm. elephants to sanctuary, although there are some in Thailand and India and even in the United States. Uh, So that's a long-term, you know, solution. But we just have to do, it's one at a time. If there's anything I learned from the Hanukkah experience, you know, one person can make a difference. And so we are, we really are, we're just pushing and we're going to bring light to the plight of each and every one of these elephants, beginning from the worst the most dire situation. Yes. So yes. Uh, Miyako has been living in her zoo, which is substandard and unacceptable for 44 years. She was taken from her family in Thailand, which was just a six month old baby. And she's been completely alone. She doesn't even have the benefit of any kind of interaction because her keepers have deemed her to be too dangerous.
0: Oh my So God. they don't
1: have any interaction with her. And the only thing she has to do is walk around in this, tiny outdoor enclosure, all concrete with nothing in it except a steel bar in the back that she goes and she bites on. And that's a stereotypical behavior, you know, stress, psychological stress. And then she tries to interact with the uh, visitors who are allowed to offer her food over a moat, which is also a very old, outdated and dangerous style of zoo enclosure. And so what happens is she tries to reach over and get the food from the, you know, the visitor's hands. And a lot of the times the visitors end up dropping or she ends up dropping this food into the moat. So then you see her crouch over trying to pick up the peanuts or whatever they are. It It is so tragic. I mean, that's her reaching out desperately to try to have some sort of interaction or activity because she otherwise has nothing to do. You know, as the expert who wrote this report described it and he's a scientist I mean he's a biologist that's been working with elephants um, studying them in the wild for over for four decades now you know he said it was he described it and he's you know as heartbreaking he said they're essentially intelligent animals that are stuck with nothing to do and how he described it I'll never forget it he said in one instance they're they're alone in their heads
0: wow so
1: yeah yeah and you can So right now y- yes yeah. so, so right now she we have started a petition for her and it's it's doing pretty well I think it's going to get some traction so it's one at a time it's not going to be fast it's not going to happen overnight but it's changing hearts and minds one person at a time and w- when you mention, you know how America and the U S and certainly Europe are, are more advanced in their understanding of elephant welfare and sanctuaries and, 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 and making these zoo establishments less about, you know, entirely about the visitors and the staff and more about the elephant's well Um, You know, Japan is definitely behind, but the, I think as I was trying to explain, maybe it's an upbringing thing because I, I have the opportunity to learn that, you know, and, and right. I don't think that they have a culture of that. So one at a time is how we we make a difference for the elephants and, and by for the people. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to be making more of these Japanese videos and 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 uh, materials for education. And I think that's that's one step. And then you know, just move towards eventually getting to the higher higher level of decision makers who can make actual regulatory. Across the board, minimum standards uh, for zoos as well in Japan. I I guess. Any layers, too. Yeah,
0: I guess it's just um, disconcerting to me in such a relatively wealthy country with a very high literacy that they're compared to, I don't know, other countries. Again, a, a generalization on my part that you have a society and a hierarchy of animal husbandry or control or something that is so far in the dark ages at a medieval kind of level that there's no one to blow a whistle and say hey whoever's running this zoo go run a factory and make some cars why don't you and why don't we get somebody in here who has any clue about all the various ways that all the species of animals need to live and have stimulation and have interaction it's just it's just really deeply disturbing that we have to sit here and you have to sit there making a video and getting a blinded person. It has to be brought to a grinding halt now, not you know next month or next year. This just has to be stopped somehow. This enclosure has to be blown up and turned into the parking lot that it is and the animals, there must be some tract of land. You could put a really nice fence around and they could just be on some dirt and maybe be together. I don't know. Maybe elephants have never been together their whole life. They don't do well when put together. I, I, yeah. I really take my hat off to you for having the patience that I don't have in learning about this and seeing the plan on how to go about this and get people with you know letters before and after their names to attest to the fact that any. Any sort of person with any kind of heart and soul can see is just not okay, and it's terrible that the public is being allowed into these places and being shown this as though it's acceptable. Somebody, the door of the Japanese saying this place is evil, go and look at that and cry and weep and you know hold up a placard. I don't know. I think it's great that you're moving me, and I hope other people, to caring about it a lot and doing more than passively, hoping to just keep the cold out. But I think it's fantastic that you're doing it. We've run out of time. I, I really admire the elephants in Japan as a really important movement. The the video you've got is really powerful, and uh, I personally will do everything I can to push out this message to the people that are aware of what I'm doing, which is mostly dogs and cats, but we all care. so. <laughs> Do. Uh, Thank uh, you. Keep listening. Get a little more militant, although I suppose that's politically incorrect in Japan where everybody's very polite. <laughs> I guess it's important to be polite, but I think it's great what you're doing. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me
0: and for your support. Of course. Bye bye.